If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we'll talk to Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith, the wizard, who traded swinging bats in St. Louis for swinging drivers in Augusta. And we'll also go deep on the art of making YouTube videos with Lexi Kazambalidis, who has transformed Hunter Pence from a baseball slugger to a bona fide YouTube star. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me in studio is a fresh-faced sports media strategist who has worked for the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many, many, many global sports brands. It's Adam Millard. Adam, how are you? I'm good, Brad. Uh, Since you are going to ask about this, because I know it's interesting to you, I'm really loving the standing desk. Uh, <laughs> oh, you read my mind. I was going to ask you about this. Not uh, well, I feel continue, like I have more energy. Uh, I've been eating healthier. Seven pounds down so far. Whoa. Uh, from I've, standing. I haven't had a drink since opening day in Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, from standing, you lost seven pounds. No. I, yeah. uh, I also <laughs> wrestle and punch people for fun, so that helps with the weight loss. But oh, oh, I feel like that, it all starts uh, with the great. standing keep, desk. Keep talking. <laughs> I feel like it all starts with the standing desk. I'm really enjoying it. Um, so, like, if, if you're gonna be dunking in no time, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what's gonna happen. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I feel good, and I uh, appreciate you making me feel bad for feeling good. Look, I admire you. It's like you said, sitting is the new smoking. Sitting is Apparently. the new as we all sit in front of these mics. Yeah, I I don't get up smoke. more than five times a day to S- pee. Standing episode. Let's do it. That was our producer Joe like Reed. That. Thanks for your contribution. Thanks Joe, Joe Reed. That was our producer. <laughs> also, also with us, someone who's hopefully got something more interesting to say. It's our oh, Emmy winning sports producer. Excuse me, you no, haven't I was seen talking this to test. Joe. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, Joe, You're get beat right. down. He was patronizing me. Also with us, our Good. Emmy winning sports producer. In our Brooklyn studio, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, how are you? I'm actually in Manhattan tonight. I, you know, I stayed in because the quality is better when I record at the office, and I just want the best for our listeners. The beautiful, <laughs> unique Sparkle Ponies. As you guys all know, we don't just invite people on; we go public with our invites. So it's time to slam the hammer, as we call it, on a few unsuspecting souls in the sports world who have expressed an interest in something, and therefore are obligated to talk to us about it. So, Adam, who do you want to send the hammer to this week? I'd like to go after um, former NBA player John Sally. Um, the spider. The spider. I think he's super interesting for a couple of reasons. One, um, he is an outspoken vegan, uh, even talking to the First Lady Michelle Obama and trying to convince her to be a vegan and uh, has said how veganism can even help climate change. Um, The other thing I think is really interesting about him is if you talk to um, some Hollywood starlets and adult film actresses, John Sally may have the biggest penis in America. (laughs) (laughs) Also helping, also helping climate change. And I really want to know like, 
What's it like to have the biggest penis in America? I saw him, uh, and just to be clear, my life isn't like this all the time, but I was at an ESPYs party where I saw John Sally. um, He was talking to Kim Kardashian in the corner, and I thought, what does Kim Kardashian want with him? And then a couple years later, I found out his giant penis, probably. So I'd like to have... John Sally on he's my hammer to talk about his hammer. Well, I can tell you <laughs> I can tell you this. There's probably a 0% chance he's coming out if he hears this or we'll get a call tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, finally. This is my topic. It's like Garrett talking about David Foster Wallace like, guys, I was born, literally born to talk about this. Gareth, I don't know how you're going to follow that. Who who do you want to hammer, buddy? <laughs> Okay, so uh, changing directions drastically. Uh, recently, yeah, John Sally's penis recently, changes directions drastically. Uh, dude, <laughs> you can't. Uh, we can't go like this. Here we go. Anyway, so well, it is all life's rich pageant. But um, so it was recently the election here in New York, and um, I have to say, for all of his faults as a mayor and as a politician, the single greatest like political act that has ever affected my life was Bill de Blasio enacting free universal pre-K here in New York. And all of a sudden my daughter could go to pre-K for free and it's been great. And we love her school. It's this new initiative that he started this year and last year. And uh, the school is fantastic. It was this old Catholic high school that they're now repurposing as this public uh, pre-K school. And so I was walking her to the subway to go to school on election day and who should happen to be there at the top of the steps, but all six foot five of them, Bill de Blasio canvassing for Hillary Clinton. And I thanked him for pre-K and we had a great interaction and he talked to my daughter and they high five. They got cute pictures. And at the end of it, he was like, she's a really cool kid. And I was like, Oh, this is great. This is like, Politics so cool. touching your life, and it actually made me, yeah, engaged in politics in that moment. And I was actually able to thank the politician, which meant a lot to me. And so, with that in mind, I, I mean, really, I will throw the hammer down to any athlete who has dabbled in politics because I just want to hear about that. So, Lynn Swan, I know you're a little busy now with USC, but I'll put you on the list. Steve Largent, um, you know, Jesse Ventura's name has come up in the past. I want to know from the people who have stepped into the athletic arena why they wanted to step into the political arena and how they did it. Yeah, so. Heath, Heath Schuler, Tom Osborne, yep, Nebraska yep. coach. Um, the guy from the real world who <laughs> become mayor of Minnesota. Yeah. Look the mayor of Minnesota. There's yeah. so much wrong with the guy from the real world did not become the mayor of the state of Minnesota. There's so much wrong with well, that. Well, that was his self-appointed title. Yeah. So senator, um, congressman. Are you thinking of yeah. Al Franken? From the real world? It's not exactly sports. Uh all right. My hammer this week is gonna go out to an old favorite. A guy I worked with during some corporate stuff back in the day. Future NFL Hall of Famer, Ladanian Tomlinson, also known as LT. The other LT. Uh, but only because the other LT, the, the, no, the, the first LT, LT, the LT uh, was in any given Sunday. So you know what? We're going to do this both. Adam, you've already hammered LT to come on and talk about any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Gareth, I know you can make that happen, so don't think you're weaseling out of that. Yeah. 
And then <laughs> that's <laughs> that's Garrett's translation <laughs> for consider it weaseled. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is probably the most accurate insight into me and who I am as a person <laughs> that has come through on this entire podcast, including when I talked about how I drink too much and have stopped. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Ladanian Tomlinson. And I once shared a car ride to a corporate event for like an hour and a half. We had nothing to talk about. We never met. So we just talked about our wives and, you know, just how competitive they are and whatever. His wife has launched a pop career. LT, other LT, whatever you want to call him. He's in one of her videos. Caught it online. Definitely retweeted that thing a couple of times. And uh, let's just say I've already sent out a few emails on this one trying to get LT to come on. Just to, I asked them to come on together so we can talk about him supporting her career and appearing in her video. I love it. I think I can help here. Let's do it. So, Ladanian, if you come on, you'll be the original LT, and the other LT will get bumped down to uh, other status, which I think I just did, but enough. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. If you guys have someone you want us to ask onto the show, email us, justnotsports at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter, at justnotsports. We are also expanding soon. We're going to get on Snapchat. We're getting on Instagram. Just Not Sports taking over the web like a virus. We're getting on Snapchat. We're on it. We're on Snapchat. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I don't know how to use it because I'm 100 years old. Yeah. We're on it. <laughs> anyway, Ooh. we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ozzy Smith, the Hall of Famer, the wizard, the all-time great, breaking down his love of golf and the time he hit a 60-foot putt at Augusta. Stick around. Joining us on the show right now is Ozzy Smith. Ozzy played 19 years in the majors, where he electrified crowds with fielding so good it earned him the nickname The Wizard. He won 13 gold gloves, played in 15 All-Star games, collected nearly 2,500 hits, and of course, won the World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals in 1982. So we're all used to seeing Ozzy swing a bat, but these days he's often found swinging clubs on the golf course. Today we're going to talk to Ozzy about his passion for golf, whether he finds it harder than baseball, and his upcoming pro-am to benefit the Gateway PGA Reach Foundation. So, Ozzy, thank you for joining us. Tell me, have you snuck in nine holes yet today or what? No, not today. I uh, actually was flying most of the day today and uh, just got into Oklahoma uh, where we're doing a thing with Major League Baseball, uh, the alumni. Um. Well, you know, I, we're going to talk a lot about golf. Uh, I want to talk about your upcoming event and just your overall love for the game. I, I got to start real quick with uh, something totally unrelated. Yesterday, uh, we lost uh, the great musician Prince. I just happened to see on your Twitter as I was prepping for our interview today that you said that uh, a concert with him was one of the, your, the best you've ever seen. I'm just curious what year you saw him and, and what made it so special. It's, um, it's been about, oh, about nine, ten years ago, and it was one of those pop-up things that he's very good at. You know, um, he uh, decided to come into St. Louis and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get get tickets and had no idea because I'd never seen him perform. Um, I'd always loved his music, his artistry, and his um, his ability to run all the gamut as far as music is, is concerned. You know, jazz, pop, funk, uh, he had it all. And he had, I think, the things that 
that we were that when we were growing up, you know, the people that we were able to we grew up on, James Brown, Jackie Wilson, all those things were rolled up into uh, one little guy, and he was a very <laughs> little guy. <laughs> yep. Um, that turned out to be a, very, a big powerhouse, but uh, a guy who, with all of that talent, I mean, dancing and singing, uh, who also had the um, the ability to 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 play almost every instrument, you know, it's like his first uh his first album and, and stuff. He played all the instruments on it and I thought that was a very, very unique talent. Yeah, do do you remember a, a favorite song that he performed? Well, I you know, I love uh um Raspberry Beret. Yep. Uh of course everybody knows Purple Rain, um Little Red Corvette. Yep. Um a lot of a lot of really the, the real funky tunes that he was able to put together, and and uh, when doves cry, mm-hmm. you know, was also one of my favorites. You know, it's funny whenever people pass, you always kind of go back through the archives of music, and you forget just how much how much good music there was. It's so so right. many songs. Um, well, you know, today's topic at hand, golf. Uh, Ozzy, I, I I heard an interview where you talked about. You spent your entire career in baseball very successfully hitting a moving ball traveling almost 100 miles an hour, and then you pick up a game mm-hmm. where a much smaller ball just sits there and stares at you from a tee, and it's a lot harder. Tell me, when did you when did you pick up golf, and did you find it to be a frustrating experience to try and learn the game, or, or did you take to it pretty naturally? No, and I think that most of us, when we retire... Uh, we look at we're looking for that void in our life, that um, competitive void in our life, and I think that golf fills that void um, because, uh, as you mentioned, hitting a golf ball is much like for us. An analogy with uh, baseball is is that when we're working on our craft, we're hitting a ball off of a tee, right? And the ball is sitting still. So we learn how to get our bodies in position to be able to 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 square the club up, uh, and that was really kind of the analogy there and and stuff. And as as simple as that may seem, it still has it has be, had become one of the toughest things for me to do, you know, because in baseball everything is generated. Nothing starts until the pitcher goes into his windup. Right. So your timing and everything is done off of the pitcher. In golf. You've got to generate your own tempo and rhythm. And I think that that's one of the most challenging things was being able to find that rhythm because when we're hitting a ball that's moving our, our feet and we're getting our, we're getting our momentum and stuff going into yep. it, it's the same thing with golf, but you can't, it's not done the same way. It's not done on the same plane, you know, so that, that makes it a little bit different, but it's, it's doing those things or working hard at it. If you're going to get, if you're going to be good at it, then you've got to, you've got to work at it. So I took the same approach that I did from a, from my craft of baseball and applied it to being able to do the same thing in golf. You know, I knew that I had to hit thousands of balls before it started to make any sense. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after three, 4,000 balls that, you know, it even started to make a whole lot of sense. Although we had, you can have great hand and eye coordination. It still takes a lot of work to be able to know where a ball has to be um, yep. in your stance, and especially if you have clubs. Now, one of the things that that's very interesting to me as we go forward here, or as I go forward with the game of golf, is you know a guy by the name of uh, Bryson De- DeChambeau. 
who I think is on the right track. If you're going to hone a swing, I think that it's important to have clubs that are all the same length. That, to me, it really shortens the process because now you're not worried about when you have 14 clubs that are 14 different lengths in your in your bag, then you've got to figure out where to, to maximize and get the consistency. You've got to really, really know where that ball has to be from your pitching wedge all the way up to your driver, where it sits in your stance. Whereas with one-length clubs, you're putting it in the same spot all the time, so you're taking this you know, you're taking that same swing. You can develop like consistency, I think, a lot quicker. So you use all clubs that are all the same length. Actually, that's the first I've heard of that. I, I played golf in high school um, for several years. That's kind of when I peaked. I lost track of the game. I got I got a young daughter. I just never never have time to play mm-hmm. anymore. So I'm just I, I, this is I'm curious about this. Did you when did you make that switch in terms of um, in terms of using using clubs that are all the same length? Well, I switched back and forth. I switched back and forth, but. Um, two years, no, yeah, a year and a half ago was when I, I ran across the one golf club, hmm. which are all the same length. And I think that I probably would have been a lot further ahead had I started with one length clubs, because here again, it's all about knowing where that ball has to be in your stance, where, where the club bottoms out for you. In particular, because we're all built different. Right. So where it bottoms out for me, it's going to be different from where it bottoms out for you. But if you can get the right length, the same length club, then it's bottoming out at the same point every time. So uh, developing consistency is a lot easier that way than having to figure out where each one of the clubs bottom out, the regular clubs bottom out, which because they're all different lengths. Right. Now, you, I've heard you describe, you know, shooting in the 70s and stuff. What What's an average score for you, and, and what do you think are the strongest points of your game? Well, right now, it's, um, you know, I, I drive, most of us can drive the ball pretty well. Yeah. And I think that that probably comes first at learning how to keep that, that the driver um, in play. Uh, I think when we first start out, it's all over the place, you know, because we're swinging hard and, <laughs> and we're, that baseball creeps back in there. But uh, for the most part, I think it's about it, it, it's about driving, and that's probably the most consistent right now. And the thing that I felt that should have been one of the easier things for me to do with, because of my hand and eye coordination would be to chip and putt, and that I found that to be one of the tougher things for me to to and I and I am not gonna use the word master because I don't think you ever master it. <laughs> right. I, I mean, you never master it. You just get to a point to where, you know, um hopefully that day that if you that the ball goes in the hole <laughs> or that you chip it close. And I look at it as a game of missing closer. Right. Well I mean it's a game of, of missing because you're not gonna you know, you're not gonna hit the ball in the hole all the time and it, it's easier when you're putting from uh, five and ten feet as opposed to fifteen and twenty. Well, and like you said, I mean, Ernie Els has multiple major championships, and I watched him like five putt at the Masters on the opening day. That was painful. It happens to everybody. Yeah. It's it, golf is a great leveler of a game in that that, that you know on one day you can just have the round of your life, and on the next day you could plunk it in the water six times, and it's just it, you forget it. I, from that perspective. D- Look, professional athletes are cut from a different cloth a lot of times. There's a certain intensity and focus and ability to, to, to your point earlier, get into a routine and, um, and, and master the, the physicality of, of your body. 
and the mental part of the game. So do you find golf to be relaxing or does that athletic, you know, mindset kick in and it is, it is competitive? Yeah. Some of it is relaxing. The fact that you have the ability to go out and hit, you know, you, you can hit something, which we're used to doing. Right. That's, that's relaxing. But when you start competing, um, it's very stressful, especially when you're standing over a putt that, uh, that means something, you know? So yeah. I think that's, that's the type of stuff that our body has become accustomed to. Um, so, you know, you learn to deal with it, but it's still very, very stressful. <laughs> so you mentioned competing. I want to, um, I got a few more questions about your game, but first I want to talk about your upcoming event. So, um, it's the seventh, mm-hmm. seventh annual Ozzy Smith pro-am and gala, and it benefits the gateway PGA reach foundation. You've got Cal Ripken playing Eddie Murray playing. I guess my question would be, how badly do you plan to beat those guys? You got a score prediction here? No. No, uh, it's basically, they come to, um, I have a dinner the night before, and we have kind of a round table. And so the next day we have golf, and I have those guys that are playing with uh, some of my guests. So it's not really me competing against those guys, although I'd probably beat both of them. I don't think both of them play much. (laughs) Um, But um, it's the gala. Is it, it, it the night before the dinner? You know, we we just sit around and I'm kind of conducting an interview, and it's just three guys sitting around talking. And I've had at my event the first one that I had, I had Hank Aaron, I've had Whitey Herzog, I've had Robin Yount, I've had Bo Jackson, I've had Dr. J, um, Willie McGee. Yep. And what we do is we just sit and we just we just talk like like guys sit around and talk and give people the opportunity to see us in our environment. And I think that my sitting down and asking a ex player a question is going to be different than a reporter sitting down and asking. He's going to answer that question a lot differently because he's not as guarded Yep. and, um, and stuff. So I, I think people get a real kick out of seeing us in that environment and, and, and how that works. And, and stuff. So, uh, we do that the night before. And then, uh, the next day we go out and we play golf. And what I try and do is I do a foursome. I don't do a fivesome. Uh, I have, um, three patrons and we use local pros from the area mm-hmm. to fill out the foursome. And then that way it's not a death march. You're not at the <laughs> golf course all day. Right. And, uh, it, it, it flows pretty well that way. And, and then you have a pro there with you to, to give you some advice and stuff too. If, uh, if you're not that good of a golfer <laughs> and all the proceeds from yes. the event benefit, um, the gateway PGA reach, uh, foundation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what, uh, what the, this organization, which, which you've been so involved with does in the community? Well, I became the president, um, you know, six, seven years ago. And, um, we it was a 2013 uh, senior championship that we had at Bell Reeve. Well, what we tried to do was was make sure that in cities that they have championships, the PGA wanted to have something that was going to be lasting, mm-hmm. that would be there long after the championship has come and gone. Uh, hence, we came up with uh, a program called PGA Reach, which now the PGA has adopted. And reach is to make sure that we give kids in the inner city or we expose kids to the inner city to the game and the business of golf. Now, we use golf as the hook, but the most important thing is education. In talking to the superintendent of schools, we realized that 80% of their awakening 
moments are idle, and right. that's when kids get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so with with education being the, the most important thing here, it's going to expose kids to something that, you know, when I look back uh, over my career, when I was growing up in South Central Los Angeles, golf was never on the radar. Mm-hmm. And if we can get these kids exposed to the game of golf early on, get them interested um, through education, I think that we will hopefully uh, be able to uh, present some some more responsible citizens in our communities. And I think all of us would like for want to be proud of the communities in which we live. And so, hopefully, by 2018, when we have the 100-year PGA Championship at Bell Reef Country Club in St. Louis. We will have a nine-hole multi-recreational golf facility built in the inner city um, that will allow kids the opportunity to learn. It will um, uh, to learn the game of golf, to learn the business of golf, and a, a few other things. Um, you know um, how to how to to build a life really to learn how to uh, provide for themselves. There'll be gardening there, and. Um, all type of little programs like that that will allow kids the the opportunity to 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 learn at a different level and learn about some things that they otherwise would not have the opportunity to to experience. No, it's it's a great cause, and you mentioned exposing the game um, to youths early on. If if you could, if, if we could go back in time, and I let's just say I found a ten year old Ozzy Smith, and and you were as good at golf, you know, then as you were baseball. Which sport do you think you would have played? Well, you know, here again, I think that, you know, we have to travel our own, our, our, our own path. And right. I think, you know, we're, we're, we're led that way, but it's, it's having an option. You know, that's, I think that that's, what's important here that it's, you do have an option for me, you know, baseball was one of the, the things that really stood out at the time that I was growing up. And I realized that my hand and eye coordination was was a gift that I was born with, you know, so that made the baseball trick for me very easy. But, you know, there kids now, the earlier you expose them to things, you know, the, the, the quicker they grasp them. And, and it is all about, as I said, options, you know, to give them another option out. So let me ask you a couple of real quick questions about your game as we, as we wrap up. I, I'm curious, what's the best round you've ever had? Um, that's how I had was 68 Whoa. and that day, it, you know, it's all about putting. It's all about getting the ball in the hole. You yeah. know, I think we all get to a point to where we strike the ball pretty well and pretty consistent, but it's about putting. And here again, as I mentioned earlier, missing closer. <laughs> and do you go to professional tournaments? Do you like watching and being in the gallery or do you, do you do not, do you not do that much? Yeah. I go to the uh, I go to the Masters every year. A very good friend of mine is from Augusta, Georgia. He lives in Kansas City, but he works for Easy Go Golf. So um, we go down there every year, and he entertains, and we spend the day over at the over at the Masters, and uh, the, the rest of the time we're playing golf somewhere. <laughs> What's your favorite Masters memory then? Um, having the opportunity to see Tiger play. Yeah. Um, you know, the first time that I went down there and watching his um his creativity you know it's all about how do you get out of jail because we're all <laughs> going to end up in jail at some point in time but you know how creative are you at, at being able to get out of jail and i think that was one of the fascinating things for tiger woods was his his imagination and uh for any golfer you know it's about 
his imagination and how creative it can be. You know, watching uh, Jordan Spieth now and and then having a chance to see J- uh, Jason Day, who right now I think was playing up until the Masters, was playing as consistent as anybody. Yeah. As far as the game was concerned and um, and stuff. And it's, it's, everybody does it a little bit differently. Uh, but it boils down, I think, to mental toughness and the ability to get that ball in the hole. Now, everyone's got an opinion on Tiger. I think he will win at least another major. I mean, I've seen Fred Couples over 50, you know, in contention the final days. Tom Watson should have won the British Open over 60. It's a different right. sport in terms of how long a, a trained athlete can play. And I've worked with Tiger a number of times um, on some brand stuff that we've done together. I, I mean, he's very dedicated to his, his physical well-being, yeah. clearly. So do you think he... Do you, do, you, do you foresee yourself maybe seeing him get the green jacket one more time, or do you think it's going to be a struggle, given how good the younger generation is? They are very good. I mean, Spieth, yeah, they all these good. guys. It's, it's, it's going to be tougher. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that he can't do it, but it certainly has gotten a lot tougher. You know, the older you get, the tougher it becomes. You know, I think that, you know, the nerves at, at when, you know, once you reach 40, that's why you don't see many 40, over 40-year-olds 40 winning consistently on the on the PGA Tour. Because by that time, you know, your nerves are frayed and you just don't have the same confidence that you did when you were when you were younger. Yep. So um, I'm not going to say that he can't because we have seen some guys, you know, they flirt with it, but nobody's come through yet. And and maybe he's the guy to do it, because, you know, when all of this, all of these things started happening for him, I would have sold the ranch. I would have lost the ranch <laughs> betting that with his with his talent that he was going to turn this thing around. But uh, unfortunately, he's not been able to do it, and um, I'm not so sure that as time goes on that he's going to be able to play. Certainly not at that level that we that we remember him at. Um, so I got random question: How high do you tee the ball up? As, as someone who used to play. I, I was always kind of like ha- the ball would be halfway above the the top lip of my driver. Um, some people I know yeah. teed it teed it super high, and I I was just always amazed why they didn't well, pop I, it up. I get a I got a low flight on my ball, you know, so I don't try and get the ball above the face of the the driver. Mm-hmm. You know, I I would say that it's right at right at the line there, right at uh, almost even. Uh, but if you're going to hit the ball higher, then you certainly do need it an inch or two above the driver itself and you swing up on it to, to get the ball airborne. Do you use fairway woods or just irons in the fairway? No, I have fairway woods. Are you, yeah, you, it's much, you, much easier to hit. I was just to say, are you better with them or, or a long iron? No, I'm much better with the uh, fairway woods. <laughs> and then what's the longest putt you've ever hit, you think? Uh, you know, amazing as this may be, the first putt, you know, when, when, I, played the, when I played Augusta National, was about a 50 or 60 footer that was a winding putt over and the undulation and stuff in the green. I made a birdie. <laughs> Ozzy, you're saying you hit a, a six, you're saying you hit a 60 foot putt at Augusta. Yeah. At Augusta, that was the first <laughs> hole that I played, and I tell you how goofy I was. <laughs> On number 15, the par five, I birdie the hole, and I go, "Oh boy, that was a tough par right there." Yeah, birdie. <laughs> Birdie number fifteen too, but I, 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 you know, I was so, so excited about getting a chance to play. I didn't. I was just hitting the ball and just trying to hit it square. And I birdied fifteen. I birdied one and I birdied fifteen. 
Man, see, if, I, if I'm if i on Augusta and I hit a 60-foot putt, I just walk off. It's like I never <laughs> just quit, yeah. You cl- throw the clubs in Ray's Creek, like I'm done. I'm retiring. <laughs> how, how often do you play? Do, do you see yourself playing more a, as time goes on? Do you, do, is it harder to find time these days? I mean, just how much of your life is devoted to the game? Well, I try and play every day that ends in Y <laughs> when, uh, when, I have the, when I have the time and, um, and stuff. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's one of these games that it's very addictive. Um, if you love it, you can't, you can't stay away from it. You can't walk by a, a cage and, and a club and a ball is sitting there and, and not hit. Uh, it's a sickness, man. I got a disease. <laughs> I got a golf disease. But you're, it's a good disease and, if you're hitting uh, sixty foot putts and uh, and getting birdies. Yeah. At, at, you know, well, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen every day, Brett. <laughs> that, that was just one of those situations by which it just things just kind of fell in line there, and I got lucky. You know, because <laughs> as you know, it's not easy to when you're putting from sixty and seventy feet all the time. You know, the percentage of those going are very very low. So. Right. You know, that was just one of those days, and um, I haven't hit a 60-footer since. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, you've given us a lot of time. So to wrap up, the one thing we always do with our guests, uh, we talk to a lot of pro athletes, and we know they get subjected to, like, aptitude tests, like the Wonderlick. We On Just Not Sports, we have the Wonderlike, which is a couple questions about, trivia questions about the thing that you like. So I've got a couple golf-related questions, and i got to tell you, I think you're going to, I think, you know, you're, I think I could definitely see you hitting 500 on these. Um, okay. But we'll see. Okay. Number one, we all know Tiger is is second to Jack Nicholas in total career majors. How many is Tiger trailing by? Four. 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 Yes. Four, I believe. Yes. That is a, absolutely correct. Jack with 18, Tiger with 14. Um, okay. Number two, one for one. I told you, you're going to knock these out of the park. Uh, number two, everyone remembers Jordan Spieth collapsed at this year's Masters, unfortunately. But who actually won the tournament? Do you remember? Um, uh, Willard, Willard, I think, well, Willard is his name, I believe. It's funny. I was asking if you, who, by the way, who, by the way, you know, he, he is, he's performed pretty well, you know, in in all the tournaments that he's played in, you know, so I don't think it was a fluke. The guy shot 67 the last day. I totally agree. And, you know, it, it's always so tragic when a, when a guy in a golf tournament's got yeah. the lead and he falls yeah. back. But, you know, people right. forget with yeah. Greg Norman in 96, Nick Faldo shot something like 66 or something. 67. Yeah. He I mean, 67. Yeah. yeah. You shoot 67 on Sunday, you, you deserve to win. Um, that's right. All right. So you're two for two. Uh, a couple of people in the office were, were all like, oh, that's easy. And then I said, okay, who is it? And they said, oh, I just didn't remember. So mm-hmm. it's, it's speed right. has really dominated the media coverage. All right, number three, which holes at Augusta are Amen Corner? This will be easy for you. You've played it. Oh, yeah. Um, 11, 12, and 13. That's right. 11, 12. How'd you do on Amen Corner when you played? Not very good. <laughs> Not very good. That's right. You had two I other Jordan birdies, man. I Jordan speaks it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough. I mean, people don't realize how tough that is because the wind changes in there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, depending on where they put that flag, man, it, it, it's not easy. And if you've, if you've bogeyed three or four holes coming into Amen Corner, my friend, mentally, there's a Houston, we've got a problem. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. I can, I can only imagine. I mean, that, that's, that's like, 
it's those holes where it's not just like tournaments won. It's like that's where legends are made, you know? Like all the famous yeah, shots. That's uh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, number four, you're three for three. Last one. What's the only major championship Phil Mickelson has never won? Uh, the major Phil, Phil, the major, um, is it, is it players? No, it's the U S open. U S open. Okay. Yeah. U S open. Finished second six times in that tournament. Never won. Amazing. Amazing. Mm. I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. Well, I do too. Yeah. Well, we know you've been very generous with your time. Um, you know, we just want to encourage all of our people follow you on Twitter at STL wizard. Uh, they can go to your official website, ozzysmith.com. I believe they can look up more information about the 7th Annual Ozzy Smith Pro-Am and Gala, uh, which benefits the Gateway PGA Reach Foundation, great cause, at ozzysmithgolf.com. And I think they can go there to get information. That's right, Ozzy Smith. Yeah. Yep. Ozzysmithgolf.com. Well, we look forward to checking in with you later and, and hearing all about how you, uh, you took uh, Cal and Eddie to task on the course, my friend. So, uh, <laughs> so thank you again for the time. We really appreciate it, and it's great talking golf. Okay, Brad, thank you. If you're online a lot during the workday like myself, then you probably know Lexi Kazambalidis. She's a TV host, a vlogger, and she's very much becoming known for her candid and funny videos on the YouTube channel Let's Get Lexi. And if you watch those videos close, you just might recognize this guy who sometimes hangs around with her, reviewing coffee, jumping in, doing funny stuff, because it also happens to be San Francisco Giants star Hunter Pence. Even in the age of social media, Lexi and Hunter are the rare breed who put a lot of their uh, life and day-to-day routine online for the internet to consume through their very funny YouTube series. So today we wanted to talk to her, Lexi, about her creative process, her plans for the future, and what it's like to get coffee with Hunter. I kind of stumbled upon your video series, I want to say, I want to say a couple months ago, and I started watching them, I thought, oh, they're really funny, and I really didn't even know that Hunter was part of them. I just, and then all of a sudden, I kind of put two and two together, and I was like, oh, geez, there's Hunter from the Giants, like, in these videos, too, which is crazy, because all we do is cover what athletes do away from sports, and I guess I'm just curious, like, as, Hmm. as, you know, you guys have become more and more close in your collaboration. What has been the response like from fans who discover you guys working together either through, you know, knowing him from sports or just other means like that? Um, well, it's funny because when I first started uh, the coffee reviews or some of the other series that I do, um, you know, Hunter wasn't originally supposed to be in them. Right. He was really just supposed to be holding the camera. And then, <laughs> miraculously, he would try to, um, you know, he would chime in behind the camera and I'd be like, Hunter, you can't chime in behind the camera because no one, like, there's no reference to that, right. you know? So it's just like a random voice. And so that's when I decided, you know what, like, it, it sounds, you know, he has like a real, a real voice, about, especially about coffee. He just loves it. And so I was like, do you want to be in this? You know? And he was like, Yeah. So it kind of just <laughs> organically came out like that, literally like in the car where we do most of our coffee reviews. Um, so, I mean, the, the response to it has been amazing. Uh, you know, people really seem to love what Hunter does off the field on top of what he does on the field. So we get a ton of support. We get a ton of love from that. And it makes it 
it's encouraging, you know, and I think that's probably a lot of what our channel is about is encouraging people to really go after what they really want to do. Um, and great coffee reviews only take like 15, 20 minutes. We're getting coffee anyways. So I think it's also <laughs> another great way to support a lot of, um, our stuff because it's, it's what we're doing anyway. So it's not taking time away from, you know, his real passion, which is baseball. I mean, first of all, leave it to professional athletes to like make it all about them. Right. You got one job to do, stay <laughs> off camera. And then he jumps right back in. Um, <laughs> Jumps right back in. You know what? But he's so lovable. It's like, even his comments off, like, off screen, I was like, darn it. Like, you said that way better than me. <laughs> what the ass, you know? So it's good. It, it worked out perfectly. Even in the age of social media, I think it uh, there is still sort of this barrier. A lot of professional athletes get, um, I guess, cynical about media. They're in front of media all the time. So sharing can become a, something that they want to clam up. You guys are amazingly candid together. I mean, where do you guys draw the line between your sort of forward-facing personas and your private life? Or is that a line that you've just kind of both willingly said you're not willing to retain? Um, well, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of parts of our life that we still remain between Hunter and I. Um, you know, it's only natural. The stuff that we put out is stuff that we would share with friends, right? And so people that are supporting us, people that are fans, those are our friends. Like, without them, we're not we're not anybody's, right? Like, we don't... The Giants aren't the Giants just by themselves. They're giant because they have a... No pun, well, pun intended, giant fan base. But, right. you know, without them, we're nothing. So we consider them friends. And I think that's the beautiful part about social media is that it really humanizes people. And we are... Uh, just like everybody else, Hunter is just like everybody else. You know, we're all, we have this, you know, both Hunter and I have an inner geek inside of us and we love relating to people, relating to people and connecting with people is a really strong passion of ours. And, you know, I mean, drinking coffee, that's something everyone can relate to. Why not share that? Like there's really nothing to hide behind that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or I think I put out a tweet last night that said I had, cheddar bunnies and avocado and a pear for dinner. It's like, yeah, every person has eaten that meal or something like that. So it's nice to be able to like relate to people and especially the amount of travel that we do. We're, you know, we're alone a lot. So it's nice to connect in different cities. It's nice to connect with people and and not feel so um, disconnected. Okay. So your coffee reviews, what, what is it about that? What is it about this? like topic you mentioned that this is kind of just you know came up by you know him jumping in but like why why has this sort of become the thing you guys are um very much known for um well both hunter and i have been big coffee drinkers for a long time um hunter came out i mean like he talks about it all the time before we even became um you know official reviewers (laughs) so to speak but uh, same with me. I mean, coffee is something like, we can't start our day without it. And when we uh, moved full time to Houston, uh, you know, I thought, gosh, I really would love like a great coffee place. So I Googled it and, you know, everyone, you know, you see all these Yelp reviews, like this one has the best one, this one has the best one. And it's like, 
oh, I wish there was this one person telling me where to go for coffee. And so that's where I was like, oh, there's actually a need for that. You know, I should start looking for those places. We go to so many cities. And, you know, it was actually in Houston that we sort of fell in love with the idea that, wow, specialty coffee is a real, a real avenue to connect with your community and not just our community, but like, you know, it goes all the way back to the roaster, to the farmer, back into the soil, back into the earth. And just that huge connection, which goes back to connection and community is, is really important to us. So the more and more we found out about coffee, the more and more we fell in love with it, the more and more we appreciate a great cup of coffee and all the work that goes into it. And it's really become a real passion of ours. Before it was just, you know, oh, we, we love good coffee, but now it's like, we're fired up about it. I just covered the um, United States Barista competition in Atlanta and on my Twitch channel. So we're really, really, we're fired up about it. We love it. We want to support it. We want to support, um, you know, local coffee beans and, and local coffee shops, mom and pop ones that are, are putting stuff back in the community. What's your creative process like? Do you guys kind of just riff the whole time? Is it, do you sit down kind of come up with a game plan? I, I think a lot of, you know, new media content creators have much kind of personal styles when it comes to their creative process. So I'm just wondering, how do you guys collaborate together? A lot of times, I mean, I come up with a lot of the video planning um, and then, you know, I'll bounce it off, you know, my colleague, Michaela, who works with me and Hunter, you know, like we'll go back and forth on, on ideas and, and we'll, it's just, uh, you know, an idea will pop in my head and then it kind of cultivates there for a while and then I'll finally voice it. And then, you know, we sit down, we go back and forth. And then, of course, Hunter comes in last minute and be like, you know what? We should just make a video on just high five. And I was like, <laughs> ah, you're so right. We should. And, you know, that's the one that will do really, really well, you know. Right. And I'll come up with a like really well thought out, well produced video and that one will, you know, it'll perform well, but not as well as this Hunter coming in or looking up from his Hearthstone game to be like, you should do one on high five. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's hit and miss. It's either, well, you know, ones that will cultivate for a while or, you know, ones that are just spurs on moment. That's the nature of YouTube, right? Is that it, it, it is a little bit democratic in that way and that it's, you can put anything on there and the, the, the most random ideas can just become viral, can become these huge talking points. Is that, do you, as a creator, do you become conscious of that? Do you start to try to, you know, you know, plan out the, the unexpected hit or do you just have to kind of say, no, I just have to trust my gut. This is what I'm feeling. And if it's going to work, it's going to work. The people will decide. I can't try to overly complicate it. Um, no, I think, for, well, yeah, YouTube, like the best ones are organically that are just put out there, random, all that stuff. But for me, um, a lot of it is random. A lot of it is in my day-to-day life where I do a day in the life of. And it's just, you know, me talking to a camera, going through my day, what I'm doing, what's inspiring me. But mainly all my videos are what I'm passionate about at that moment. Um, and that's really important to me because I hope people um, – we'll see that our life isn't that glamorous. There's glamorous moments, but like we move three times a year. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. Uh, and we do a ton of traveling and, you know, people think we're up partying all night or, you know, living this glamorous life up in the club, but we're not, you know, we are, 
we're going to bed at like 11, you know, as soon as he gets back from his night game, because if he has a day game the next day, you know, we have to be in bed. Otherwise he won't get proper sleep. And so same with me, you know, we're on the baseball schedule. So it's kind of hard, but um, we try to keep it as spontaneous as possible. But at the same time, like I love doing little sketches and I love just sharing what's what's inspiring me right now, just because that's fun for me. You know, that's my passion. That's, That's just what keeps me doing this. I think that's why the series works. It is honest. It, you know, it's not you guys, you know, going out there and and putting on airs or whatever. But like you said, there's there's. I think it's an interesting window into the day to day lives that you have, and I think that's where the the true creativity comes from. At least from from my vantage point. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I mean, I I hope so. All I can be is myself, and so you know, I think for this, I'm really trying to show people that. A lot of hard, and I know people know that there's a lot of hard work that goes into Major League Baseball, but I'm trying to show the other side of it, where it's, it is wise having to pack up our whole lives and then move across the country for off season and then move again for spring training and then move again for the season. And then, uh, you know, there's like a lot of a lot of stuff that people don't realize that their careers affect a whole other side. Where do you guys, where are you guys going to go from here with this? So where, where do you want to, where do you want to, how do you see this kind of growing? I mean, clearly he's got his day-to-day schedule, but creatively, where do you want to, want to take this? Oh man, that's a million dollar question, right? (laughs) I don't know. I would, I would love maybe like a talk show of some sort, you know, maybe the Oprah of the internet. I'm not sure. Just spitballing, you know. <laughs> just think, um, <laughs> think, think small, right? Like baby steps. Just be Oprah of the internet. That's step one, and then step two. You yeah. know, whatever. Right. Why not? If the mind can think it, why not achieve it? So, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd love to do something like that. Have you know, where I can sit down and interview people. Um, you know, Hunter and I did a radio show, and and we talked about all the goofy stuff that we've experimented with, like sleep cycles, diet exercise and just a lot of the weird stuff that we do. And, um, you know, I'd love to do something more along the lines of that and, and talk to people and, and get the goofy side of them out. And, and just really, I love relating again, relating to people on a more natural level. You mentioned the goofy side. I go back to videos like the stuff your mouth challenge and stuff like that, where you guys are shoving marshmallows in your mouth to see who can do the most. It, those are very simple ideas that are just very funny. I, do you have certain pieces that you've done together, collaborations you've done together that are, that stand out as your favorites? Oh gosh. I think the say anything challenge was probably my favorite where we put tape on each other's faces just because it, again, it just makes you goofy. It takes down all the airs of anyone and you're just, you know, you can't help but look stupid and you have to get over that. And so I think it just brings out a goofier side of people. And of course it brings out a goofier side of Hunter and I. So it's just fun. And I think, you know, that's another uh, a great word to describe what we're doing is we're just trying to have fun. We're trying to laugh. We're trying to enjoy, you know, also this blessed life that we get to live. And, and I think doing those challenges kind of just shows our goofy side and, you know, how we don't take a whole lot of stuff so seriously and how we're just trying to have fun. We're trying to have fun with each other. We're trying to have fun with our fans and, and, you know, just enjoy. Do, uh, do Dodgers fans find their way into your comment section and start trolling you guys? Cause those guys need to quit it. If so. 
no, not really. Actually, okay, good. <laughs> you know, I'm a lot of our our fan base is pretty positive. Um, a lot. It's funny because I will get Dodger fans in there, and they'll be like, "Man, I really want to hate Hunter Pence, but after watching this, I just can't." <laughs> you know. No, uh, so that, that's kind of cool to see that. Or can we get Hunter Pence on the Dodgers? Or you know. Well, that's a good point because I think I think the videos you guys are doing are. I, as you mentioned, they're very fun, they're very lighthearted, and it's not putting on airs. I think if a guy's out there trying too hard, um, then you're going to get trolled. Um, but it, like you guys are, what you guys do seems very authentic, so I, it doesn't surprise me that fans would say, you know, I, I maybe didn't know Hunter or didn't like him, but I love you guys together, like, doing your thing. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I really appreciate you watching him, too. I'm always... You know, super impressed that people even watch them. So, oh, you're being, you're being, uh, no need to be self-deprecating. They're they're very fun. So, tell. Speaking of watching them, where you've got a lot of different social platforms. Where would you direct people to go check everything out? YouTube.com backslash Let's Get Lexi, and also on Twitch.tv backslash Let's Get Lexi, and what? So, I'm being told right now that it's forward slash. Let's get Lexi. <laughs> yeah, get it but, right, Lexi. Come on. I know. Gosh. So YouTube.com forward slash Let's Get Lexi. Twitch.tv forward slash Let's Get Lexi. And then it's all the same on all those social medias. Let's Get Lexi. L-E-T-S-G-E-T-L-E-X-I. Awesome. Well, we encourage all of our uh, all of our listeners to check it out. And Lexi, you, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Anytime. Today's show is sponsored by The Weatherneck. We spend a lot of time around athletes and super active people, and two things really stand out to us. They love staying active outdoors all year round, and they need quality equipment to do that. Enter The Weatherneck. The Weatherneck is a modern take on the bandana that's quick, quiet, clean, and comfortable, and it's designed specifically for performance outdoors. It features high-tech fabrics and powerful magnets that make it today's outdoor bandana, and it's comfortable. The center mesh section allows for full breath when active outdoors, and the wicking fabrics eliminate the nasty soaking wetness that can bunch up in fleeces. Everyone knows what it's like to put on like a knit scarf, try to be on a bike out in the cold. It's just awful. Your face gets super wet. And it's super convenient. It removes in one second with one hand. That's amazingly helpful if you're on the bike, on the run, or just outdoors doing your thing. I know the guys who created this. They are super smart, super passionate, the types of people I would trust. Go to theweatherneck.com for more information or to place an order, theweatherneck.com. That is our show for the week. If you didn't like it, just remember what Malcolm Jenkins of the Eagles says about bow ties. The beauty, my friends, is in the imperfection. Thank you to all of our listeners or as we call them, the beautiful and unique Sparkle Ponies, in the words of Chris Cluey. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at JustNotSports. Email us tips, thoughts, topics, JustNotSports at gmail.com. Joe, more social channels to come. Snapchat, our Facebook page. Most definitely. Where else do you want to be? Um... I don't know. That's maybe Vine. We haven't done Vines yet. Short little... We're we're long-form content, though, so I don't know. (laughs) Well... Maybe we just need to blow it up. I'll I'll call Snapchat. I'll call Vine. We'll get some changes made. All right, sounds good. I'll call Nash Greer. He'll get it done. I've worked with Nash. Good yeah. guy. Um, all right, we're gonna end with some shout outs. I gotta start. 
Got to thank Ozzy Smith, giving us a lot of time, breaking down golf. It was a lot of fun to talk about. That's a good example of something that you think is just, oh, it's guys talking about golf. Who cares? No, man, he's talking about going to the Masters every year. Uh, he's talking about hitting 60-foot putts in Augusta. He's breaking down how high he puts up the tee. I think these are just fun little idiosyncrasies that are fun to hear. And I also want to give a huge shout-out to my colleague in St. Louis, Jen Crichton, one of the most talented people I've ever met. She's the one who set us up with Ozzy. So, Jen, I owe you some white wine. And I also want to give a shout-out to Lexi, Alexis, uh, Kazambalidis, who I'm pronouncing that better and better as we go. I just think it's one of those fun little hidden gems on the internet that if you get a chance to go check out, you definitely should. And uh, Joe, any shout outs this week? Um, I'd second the Lexi one. It's, it's a unique thing to see sort of behind the scenes um, of anyone that you're a fan of. I don't know. It's just kind of a cool little look into the, the regular everyday life of uh, someone, you know, celebrity life that we don't normally associate with that. So yeah, I, I thought it was. I, th I think it's kind of a cool thing they're doing. I thought it was great. Uh, Gareth, any shout outs? And he hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, Adam, my, my man, any shout outs this week? I give a shout out to my peeps. Uh, my boy Uzi, Def Jeff. The legend. Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and... Uh, mm, other cousin Ron? My other cousin Ron. Yeah, love that guy. In the words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay, stay booty. booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Come together right now. Everybody.